1: head over to my website, www.theivfjourney.com and select IVF Journey Podcast from the navigation menu. You'll also be able to find the various services that we provide at IVF Australia. So today I'm going to pick up a number of news stories that have been around over the last 12 months or so concerning sperm donation. For thousands of years there has been a situation of a couple not conceiving and as a potential treatment of that was the use of another man's sperm, either known to the man or or not. (laughs) In um, Roman times there's documented stories of the mother of the infertile female enlisting help and achieving pregnancies. So it's not a new thing. Donor insemination, however, in the 21st century is a totally different situation. You can get donor sperm in various ways. Obviously, down the pub on a Saturday night is one option, (laughs) not a great option, and neither is finding a donor on the internet. The problems with these donors, it's not necessarily bad, but they don't go through all the screening processes that a fertility clinic would go through. Checking their genetics and probably more importantly their infective status. HIV gonococcus, gonorrhea, chlamydia are all tested when a man comes through a proper fertility clinic and their sperm bank. So it does mean that wider access is here through the internet it's not necessarily safe. Now, the stories that have been out in the media include Joe, the sperm donor from the US, who has deliberately advertised himself as a great sperm donor. He claims to have fathered over 100 children around the world. And he had a whistle-stop tour to Australia where he did attract women looking for a sperm donor and that he apparently did some inseminations. The issue around him is, obviously again, has he been appropriately screened for all the infectious bits and pieces? I suspect he has if he's commercialised his seed. But in any case, there is a second issue. And it's an issue that anybody going through donor insemination should consider in some detail. And that is the fact that there will be multiple children around the world who will be half siblings of this donor. In an infertility clinic in Australia, that counselling is undertaken by professionally qualified counsellors to take you through the various scenarios. Scenarios that include access of that donor to the identity or even the rearing of that child? Those questions need to be answered before you can move on with any surety about how things are going to happen into the future. And certainly online sperm donation doesn't have that issue covered off appropriately. So think through the fact that you chose Joe, the donor from the US, and that your child potentially has a hundred other half-siblings. What will that create in the mind of your child? What intriguing fantasies will that child have about all of these children around the world? The other issue that comes into play in that issue is, and, and while it's fairly unlikely given he's a US donor, but the chances of a child of yours meeting a child of his or another child of his somewhere in the world, fall in love and they have children and are basically likely to have abnormal offspring in some form or another because basically it's consanguinity. In Australia, in our controlled fertility programs, in New South Wales, uh, there are only four families worldwide allowed to be created by a single donor. In Victoria and other states, it's ten families, or actually nine families plus the donor's own family, because statisticians have told us that in, that, in those two scenarios, there's less than 100,000 to one that your child is likely to find a half-sibling as a partner into the future. So don't rush in to doing donor sperm the easy way. There's no question that coming through a fertility clinic is more arduous and probably more expensive, but it's certainly a lot safer. The other story related to sperm and multiple donors are stories that are coming to light in relation to gynecologists who were treating fertility in the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s in their own clinics, where at that time freezing of sperm wasn't an option, so that they needed a sperm donor on the day to be there to produce a sample in one room and it be inseminated in the other room. And while they advertise for donors some days, perhaps they didn't turn up. The woman ovulates and the doctor, in his efforts to assist a couple to have a baby where the sperm is not good, has produced a sample himself and children have been born. It seems that in Holland, for instance, there is a now an 80-year-old gynaecologist who, for whom Over 30 babies are now attributed to his sperm based upon DNA testing. At the time, he probably thought it was the right thing to do. He was helping out women. But ethically, particularly today, we would regard that as being totally unacceptable and indeed, he got struck off the medical register. In Canada, there was a case, again, just recent publication, indicating someone who, a gynaecologist who's now dead, was probably the father of more than 50 children. The consanguinity issue is probably the biggest worry in those particular cases because obviously they're coming all out of one town and they're all patients who've been through fertility clinic. The risks of consanguinity I think arise in that scenario. So it never happens today, it would be impossible to happen in a fertility clinic in Australia today, but one couldn't be so sure in the internet world of donor insemination so basically if you want donor sperm start with a fertility clinic don't take risks and think about the child and the potential for them to have so many other siblings and don't forget that you can access all the previous episodes by going to our website www.theivfjourney.com and select IVF Journey podcast from the navigation menu